Welcome to Thoughts on Thriving, a holistic lifestyle and wellness podcast that's here to help you become the healthiest, happiest, most aligned version of yourself. I'm your host, Ava, a registered dietitian and wellness junkie. I'm so excited to have you here as I dive deep into meaningful conversations covering topics from nutrition and mental health to spirituality and self-development and everything in between with experts in many fields. I'm so happy you're choosing to learn how to thrive today. Let's get into the show. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughts on Thriving. I hope you are all having a lovely week. I hope you all had a great Valentine's Day yesterday, and I am so excited for today's episode on the podcast. Today, we have the lovely Noam Raider on the show. Noam is a medical doctor. She's currently a resident in Toronto, Canada, and she is also a social media content creator where she shares her journey being a doctor and all her fun wellness things as well. And I am so excited for you all to hear this conversation. We talked about so many unique topics and I know Noam's in a unique situation with what she does, but I think that there's so many things to take away from this conversation, no matter who you are, what you do. We essentially talk about navigating a busy lifestyle and navigating your 20s as someone who's trying to do so many things. And We talk about medicine, we talk about social media, but we also talk about imposter syndrome and staying grounded and staying inspired and being creative while living a busy life. So there's so many things to take away from this conversation, like I said. And I personally find Noam super inspiring and think that she is just setting such a great example of living a balanced life, which can be so hard when we're trying to manage a busy schedule, but Noam kind of inspires us to take time for ourselves, take time for our mental health, our self-care, and she does it in such a beautiful and inspiring way. So I hope you all enjoy this episode as much as I did and make sure to let us know what you think over on Instagram at thoughts.on.thriving or in a review on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy. Thank you so much for coming on the show again, Noam. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Just for everyone who's listening, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So my name is Noam Raider. I am 24 years old. I'm from Toronto and currently living in Toronto. I'm a resident physician in family medicine in my first year, and I'm also a content creator on Instagram and TikTok, really just talking about the importance of living a balanced lifestyle and a healthy lifestyle while in these busy professions or really just a busy life like everyone in their 20s is really living through right now. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like the upper level overview, but I'm sure we'll get into all of it a bit more. Yes, totally. I have been following you for some time and I just feel very like inspired every time I see your content because there is this narrative of like, if you're a doctor, you have to be a certain way and you're sort of breaking that narrative down and just kind of being yourself. And it's so, so inspiring to see. So Before we talk about that and that whole side of things, the content creation and how you're just kind of showing up as yourself online, I want to talk about medicine for a second and just kind of know why you got into medicine. I heard on another podcast that you actually had a brain tumor when you were younger, if you don't mind talking about that for a little bit and also whatever else inspired you to go into the field, because I know it takes a lot to just, you know, make that decision. Yeah, for sure. I'm happy to kind of jump into it. Like you mentioned, I feel like it's like a tiered response. But um, when I was like 
five-ish, four-ish, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, And thankfully, I'm so fine now and so grateful to be living the life I am today. But I think those early experiences within the medical system definitely shaped not only kind of who I am as a person, but I think also just like how I see the world and being able to, I mean, not able to, it's obviously not a positive thing, but being witness to some hardships in life and things that different people experienced and the people I met through that, um, I think still impact me today and my career as a physician. But I would kind of joke to my parents or I didn't think it was a joke, but I was like five saying I want to be a doctor when I grew up. And they were like, yeah, sure. Okay, you're five. You'll get over it. It's just what you're seeing every day. And then I kind of did, honestly, for like a good chunk of my childhood, I definitely was a lot more passionate about the arts and reading and writing and making like videos for YouTube, like anything but medicine or science in general. And then some point in high school, we were in class and you're learning about like cancer cells and tumor cells and how that works. And I was like, wow, it's really cool to understand how my own body works, having had an experience like that. And then I think it kind of just like reset that spark. And I think it's interesting how you say that it's not it's not an easy decision to enter medicine. And I definitely agree. I think it's something that like there are so many points along the way where if you're not 100% in, you just kind of slowly teeter out because it's such a big commitment and sacrifice at times. But I feel like for me, it kind of was almost this like overnight switch of no, I'm going to do this and then kind of putting all my efforts in from there on. So like 16 on to trying to get into medical school and then a medical school trying to get into residency. But um, yeah, now I'm so grateful to be here. And I think a lot of those things still continue to drive me. And that's just being able to be an empathetic physician and someone who can try to put themselves in their patient in the patient's shoes, whether that's something I've experienced directly or whether something that I can just try my best to empathize with, um, but also continuing to just always learn and grow and understand how our body works and help other people understand it as well, um, I think are things that still drive my passion for this field. That's amazing. I mean, I I only say I know it's a hard decision because I was a pre-med student in college and I actually decided against going to medical school for a lot of different reasons, but I feel like, you know, my whole family is doctors. I was kind of like put onto that path from a young age. And so I didn't really question it for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And you really have to love it. You really have to have a passion for medicine and for wanting to help people in that way. So I really commend anyone who does go into that field because I I know how intense it is. Like it, it is no joke. And even the goal of like being a more empathetic physician, like I feel like for me as a patient, when I go to a doctor's office, like I usually come out feeling not so great because the way I was treated and not really about the information that I received from them. So I think that that's such a beautiful way to kind of like bring you and your authenticity into that career and into helping people. Cause it's not really, of course, it's about the medicine. It's about how you're helping them with the things that you've learned, but what you bring to the table is so important in that. So I think that that's such a beautiful way to kind of enter the field. And I'm a dietitian, so selfishly, I would love to know because I know in, in the U.S. it's it's not much. But in Canada, did you receive like nutrition training in your medical training? Because I mean, I know that, you know, from your content and you love wellness and lifestyle that like what we eat is so important for our health. But then in medical school, you don't really learn much about it. Is it the same there? I mean, short answer, yes. Um, like 
lifestyles integrated in the sense of they're like, oh, by the way, like we'll talk about, let's say, high blood pressure. And they're like, oh, of course, like lifestyle, right? But what does that really mean? Like we don't really delve into. And I think like you said, whether it's just from like my own passion for the importance of like lifestyle medicine and um, your diet, your exercise, et cetera, for your health that I did like my own reading and research, but also I just grew up in a household where my parents really prioritized that as well. So it was kind of always a given to me. And I think I had a fund of knowledge on that, that I took for granted that I assumed like most people knew what that meant. But I think once I really started working with patients, I realized that that's so far from the truth. And I remember one day I worked with a physician who was actually a really great mentor for me. And she was a family physician who specialized in lifestyle medicine. So she really integrated that approach for her patients. And she was sitting a patient down who had, um, I think it was like fatty liver disease. I don't remember specifically. And just trying to talk to him about, okay, like let's make these small lifestyle changes. And remember she brought up like, what about oatmeal for breakfast? And this patient was like, oh, I've, I've never had oatmeal, which sounds like so simple and silly. And a lot of people probably haven't had oatmeal in their lives, but this person was just basically eating processed foods every day or buying their meal out and like never even like thought to think of like, oh, I could like have pro- uh, oatmeal for breakfast. Um, So I think once I recognized that, the lack of education that we got in medical school really became even more like salient to me, recognizing that a lot of people who are practicing medicine may also not necessarily have that training. And um, yeah, I mean, the short answer is I think we had one dedicated nutrition lecture and it was optional and no other lectures wow. are really optional. <laughs> so I went and I think like 20 other people were there. So like 10% of the class. Um, so yeah, it's not great. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, an hour long or however many hours the lecture was in like four years or three, three, four years of medical school. Yeah. Yeah, That's, it's crazy to me. I, yeah, it really is. (laughs) But you have spoken a lot about like, you used to be a perfectionist kind of dealing with anxiety around grades and things like that. And that's something that really helped me relate to you a lot when I was hearing that I, (laughs) my whole life was just trying to get the best grades. And I, I think it's a combination of being, you know, the child of immigrants and being an immigrant technically myself. Um, I came to the U S when I was like three, so I don't remember my life before, but having immigrant parents being in a new country, like being very type a. And so I feel like you don't really embody that energy anymore in in the best way possible. That's something I'm working on all the time. I'd love to know how you have basically let go of that mentality because it can be so much, especially when you are pre-med, you're trying to get into medical school, you're trying to get into a good residency, you're trying to like achieve all these things that people are telling you you need to achieve or even you, you yourself. So it's like a lot of pressure. How have you kind of helped to relieve that in yourself? Yeah, I definitely relate to a lot of that. I immigrated as well from Israel when I was four. So like very similarly, I don't actually remember my life like outside of Canada, but I'm sure this is a very, well, actually I know it's a very common experience for a lot of children of immigrants or immigrant children of just like being so grateful for the opportunities here and knowing to disappoint your parents. My parents are Honestly, they never pressured me. They were nothing but lovely and supportive. But I think I put that pressure on myself. And I think I found that in other ways too. So even like what I mentioned with my medical history growing up, I think I saw some people that I knew from when I was in the hospital and such not have such great outcomes and feeling so grateful for that. Well, I need to use this. I need to capitalize that. Then I got into med school and I was like, well, I actually got in so so early and so young. And so I need to keep working at that and like 
not always be grateful for my opportunities. And I think I translated that, which is a really positive thing, I think, but translating that into kind of beating yourself into the ground. And it's just so counterproductive. And I think the shift came for me is when I realized that the less stress I put on myself and almost like not it, it's it's this is a simplified way to see it, but not like the less I worked, but kind of like the less I worked, the better I did. And I think I had this realization in like my second year of my undergrad degree, where in first year, I would go to the library to like 2am, go to sleep, wake up at six, go back. And I would like sleep in the library. Like I would fall asleep taking naps. I was so tired. And I did fine in first year. I definitely could have done better. I think if I employed more so what kind of happened when I got to second year, which is when I really got into wellness and eating healthy and exercising. And I still like ate healthy during exams. And I went to the gym and I still studied hard, like not to... I never want to like sugarcoat and say, oh, I didn't study at all. Like, no, I still studied from like a good like 8 to 7 p.m. But then I would like go home and eat dinner and wake up the next day. And my grades got so much better. And I was like, this is crazy. Like I'm working less. I'm happier, but I'm doing better. And I think that was just kind of like the stepping stone and continuing that through the rest of my life. And I think it becomes hard when a lot of people around you don't necessarily employ that same thought process, especially when you're in college or in any sort of high stress profession. But I think it's just reminding myself, well, I got here using those principles, just like everyone else. So I should just keep using them because clearly it's like working in and of itself. But I think it's a constant journey. It's definitely not something I think I fully mastered. But um, I think just recognizing that it's something you struggle with is like that first step too. It sounds so cheesy, but to like start making that change. Totally. I mean, I relate to that so much. I would go to the library till like 2, 3 a.m., fall asleep, take naps, like wasn't sleeping. It was horrible. And I like, of course we got through, like I, I didn't get bad grades, but the shift in just how you feel, it's so important in your performance. And it's, it's really something that I, it took me a long time to learn, but I'm glad I did. So I'm glad you did too. And I feel like as a doctor too, like you have to be taking care of yourself so you can take care of other people. It's such a a demanding job. So I would love to talk about sort of the mental health aspect of medicine and just kind of, you know, burnout, how you prevent it and, it takes a lot to be an empathetic person and to sit one-on-one with someone and you're doing that a lot throughout the day. So how do you kind of prevent burnout, prevent burnout in terms of like empathy as well and just kind of dealing with patients all day? Yeah, totally. I think this is like something that I don't think I like completely considered and like was totally aware of before I entered medicine, which I think is the case for a lot of people unless you have family members in medicine who know, but I didn't is that not only do you work long hours in medicine and it's a busy job and a demanding job in that sense, but, and I'm sure this applies to dietetics as well, like there's the um, patient side of things, which I think brings like a different level of burnout of listening to people's kind of hardest moments and stories and being kind of their kind of trusted companion or guide throughout that journey can be emotionally really taxing, even if the hours aren't that long that day. Like, I think one of the best examples is like when I do psychiatry rotations and the hours are like actually pretty fine on psychiatry, but it's emotionally so taxing because it's really like people's worst day that you're dealing with or same with like emergency medicine, et cetera. Um, 
And I think like, I don't think I have like a miracle solution to it, but I think it's just like finding the things that make you happy and remind you of your life outside of medicine and making sure to prioritize those as well. So for me, it's making sure I stay active and eat a healthy, balanced diet, but also like not as kind of strict wellnessy, but also just like doing things I enjoy and hanging out with my friends and making time for free time, having those work-life boundaries when I get home, putting away my work. Um, I think it's just, it's all of that kind of almost like wellness maintenance or like hygiene sort of things that you don't need to wait until you're burned out to like take the day off, but just like take the afternoon off every other day during the week or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I wish I had like some miracle answer. I think it's just remembering that yes, work is important. It should be your priority, but just as important, if not more important should be making sure you're actually enjoying the process and are happy throughout because otherwise like one, you're not happy, but two, you're probably also not the best position you can be for your patients. And that really applies to, I think, any field. I totally agree. Yeah. And I think it's like you can't take care of someone else before you take care of yourself. So it's even more crucial in this like kind of healthcare world that we're doing that and that we're putting that self-care in. So I also wanted to talk about, you know, you are also a content creator and you have kind of this double life that you kind of talk about where you're doing social media, you're sharing all of your wellness things, and then you're also a doctor. And so I feel like you of all people would have a great answer to this. And I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but like, really, how do you balance it all? Because even one of those things, you have to put your all into it. It's very, very draining sometimes, especially the medicine piece. So like, how do you do both and stay afloat? Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. I feel like this question I do get asked all the time. And I like have for so long tried to think of like some really valuable, helpful answer to just like that anyone can apply to themselves. And like, I genuinely want to be able to do that, but I don't necessarily (laughs) think I have one. And I think like the best thing I've come up with kind of contradicts itself. But I think on one hand, it's the fact that I just genuinely enjoy creating content and social media and the connections I've created through it. And just knowing the potential for impact that you can have on this platform. And I mean, I always come back to kind of like my, my anecdote, which was, I remember like when I was starting medical school, I was so excited to like get in, obviously, like I'd been working at it for years and it was amazing. But then when I actually started, I think like the practicality of it all set in and I was like, I don't know like how I see myself genuinely like fitting into this profession and this world because I, like I mentioned, I didn't really have positions in my family. I didn't really know any firsthand and all I knew was kind of like the societal image we have of physicians. And it like did not remind me of myself at all in terms of like what I saw, even as like, yes, there's tons of female physicians now. But the way that I saw them represented in society just like didn't, um, I guess, resonate with like how I saw myself uh, currently, but also like in adulthood, et cetera. And I would like go on social media and I would try to look for different physicians who were on the platform and sharing the fact that they still had time for a social life and for travel or still liked fashion and getting dressed up and being feminine and not worrying about that in their professional role. And I really like had found few and far in between at that time. And I think there's definitely been a ton of physicians and other healthcare professionals that have entered the social media space over recent years. Um, But I think when I was in pre-med, et cetera, like I definitely did not see that. So I remember how badly I wanted someone to like, not necessarily look up to, but also just like show me that it was possible and kind of see myself in that role. So anyways, going back to the answer is that 
I just genuinely enjoy it, which makes it easy to find the time to do. And I think having a creative outlet is so important to me personally. Um, But I think the other aspect of it, which is what I mentioned, kind of contradicts itself, is that I also look at it kind of like, like, I guess a job, but more so responsibility and making it a priority. So if I need to film something for a collab, I put it in my calendar and I get it done that day. If I want to post a few times a week, I put it into my schedule um, and just not letting medicine kind of take over your whole life and finding those boundaries. And it goes back to what I said earlier of, I think a lot of times I'll doubt, well, am I studying enough compared to my peers? Am I doing this, this and that? But I got here just like they did. And if I did it this way, then I can probably keep pushing through that way. And I think it's also a reminder that even if social media isn't your passion, but you have something else, you have the time to do it. You just have to make the time and make it um, an intentional priority. Yeah, I love that. I, I completely agree. It's like we all have 24 hours in a day. So how you choose to spend it is kind of where you can see what you're prioritizing. And people spend hours scrolling on social media. And instead of scrolling, you're creating, which is mm-hmm. awesome, I think. And I would love to know how that has kind of affected your professional life. Because you talk a lot about, you know, professionalism, how you're kind of changing the narrative there. And like you said, how doctors don't have to look a certain way, especially female doctors. And so has the social media piece kind of affected your life at work? When people find out, do you like, does it affect anything? I'd love to know like how that has been. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it was definitely something I was super nervous about. And I think like still at times I'll like get nervous about here and there when I was starting social media, because like I said, I didn't really see anyone else doing it. I didn't know how I would do it. And I mean, this is like a whole separate conversation, but like when you start medical school, you have these lectures about social media and the right way to use it as a physician. And I think there's so many important takeaways from that in terms of like patient confidentiality and like not posting things in the hospital, obviously of patients, et cetera, and like not violating guidelines, like of course, a thousand percent. But the like the taste it leaves in your mouth is basically like don't have social media, be private on it, like have no personal life, patients can't know you outside of work, et cetera, which I don't think needs to be the case in order to be a professional as in like abiding by professional guidelines and compassionate physician. Um, So I was so scared. Um, But I think at this point, like what I come back to is, yes, definitely preceptors I've worked with. So like staff physicians attending, so everyone you want to call it, have found my social media in the past. And like no one has ever said anything bad. Like I made so much of it up in my head, maybe a few peers in like my class, like in medical school, But then like two months later, they'd come back to me and ask for like social media advice for like the business they're starting. So (laughs) I think people will always have something negative to say. Usually it's out of jealousy, whether it's because they want to be on social media or they have something else they want to pursue that they're too scared to. They're going to have negative things to say, but no one's whose opinion really matters to me, which comes down to like the people in my life, um, as well as obviously like preceptors, administration, et cetera, has ever had an issue with it. So if you're thinking of doing it, just do it because I think like we kind of scare ourselves out of trying new things and um, someone has to try it, right? It's like, and I think that is what's happening on social media, but I think it took some time for sure. Yeah, totally. In your field, especially like uh, there's so many dietitians out there with Instagram presences and like they they all use social media, but like in the world of medicine, it's really not as common. So I think it's really awesome how you're kind of changing that for people and acting as that example that you didn't have for yourself. And I also have seen you kind of talk about imposter syndrome a lot on your page, which I feel like it resonates with me a lot because, you know, when I was working in the hospital, seeing patients and stuff, I was kind of like, 
why me? Like, why are they trusting me to do this? Like, I'm like writing these tube feeding orders for patients, which kind of can affect their health very immediately. And that feeling of imposter syndrome came up for me a lot. So I bet, you know, in medicine as well, it comes up quite often, especially as a young physician. I would love to know if there's anything that you do to kind of counteract it or deal with it. Yeah. I mean, I think like, and I always say this on my social media as well. I think it's like one of those sayings that like you, I don't know, I don't know if it's a quote, it's really just like a sentence, but I heard it once. I can't even remember where now, probably saw it somewhere on social media, but it really stuck with me since. And it's just that if you have imposter syndrome, it inherently means that you have something to be proud of and something to kind of have this feeling of, oh, I don't deserve it. Well, it means you have something that you deserve kind of inherently in that definition. And that doesn't necessarily like solve the problem, but I think it just kind of reminds you of the positive perspective of the situation. Um, I think dealing with imposter syndrome is something you just kind of learn through with time, like unfortunately or not. And just like all the times where I thought that I must be doing so poorly in your rotation and that I knew nothing and they're probably so disappointed in me. And then like the two or four weeks ended of the rotation and my preceptor would just give me positive feedback. And maybe it wasn't that I knew the answer to every question they asked, but they were happy that I was always keen to learn and always nice to work with and like compassionate to my patients and the things that really matter. Um, so I think you you get over it, I think, through lived experience, but always just remembering that it's a something you made up in your head. It's not based in fact. And just coming back, I think, from a logical perspective for me always helps of just like, I feel this way, but I have no actual like concrete reason to feel this way. It's just a feeling. And the concrete fact is that I have something to be proud of and like just anchoring myself in that as much as I can. I mean, I think with what we were talking about before, too, with the social media and having, you know, other professionals and people in your field seeing it as well as imposter syndrome, like a lot of the times with a lot of this, it's stuff that we're making up in our heads, like none of it is true. And we kind of create these false narratives in our heads and then run with them. So a Mm -hmm. lot of it, I feel like is just kind of reprogramming our brains and kind of being the the other side of it to ourselves and telling ourselves that it's not true, which takes a lot of strength sometimes when you have been functioning this way your whole life. I would love to know sort of how you kind of stay grounded in it all. Like we've talked about a lot of different things, social media, medicine, imposter syndrome, mental health, like through all of this, through your whole career, everything you're doing, like, are there specific things you do on a day-to-day basis to help keep you grounded, keep you optimized for your day? Um, Any like morning routines or anything like that? Yeah, I feel like as much as I love a good routine, I think like my current life just doesn't really allow for that in the sense of like my schedule changes every week and I have no control of it. And sometimes I'm working nights, sometimes I'm working days or afternoons or whatever it might be. So I think it's, I kind of, for like, I think like, especially during the pandemic when you're all at home, I was like such a morning routine person. And now I think of it more of just like, what are the non-negotiables in my day and however and whenever I can fit them in, that's great. And not putting this pressure on myself to like make it perfect and have like the perfect morning routine and do all the things, but taking like two or three that day. And I think for me, like the consistent ones are usually like moving my body in some way most days for some amount of time. So whether that's like a 20 minute walk or a stretch on like my yoga mat in my apartment 
or trying to go to workout class a few days a week. But I think not only is it so important for our physical health and also our mental health in terms of endorphins and everything like that, but I think it also just reminds you that like you're worth your time and like investing into yourself is something that's important and productive. And I think that's what physical activity always really does for me. And I think other than that, like as well, like I mentioned, trying to eat as much as I can a healthy diet without trying to make it super um, stringent in my head. Like if I need to eat out, that's fine. But think picking maybe a healthier option or if I'm really craving ice cream or pizza for dinner, like that's fine. But also adding some vegetables to it, like really coming down to the basics and what works for your lifestyle. Because I think on social media, we see such an idealized version of it. People who ho- uh, like work from home and have 20 minutes a day to cook every meal. And that's just not the reality for most people in their 20s of whether they're in medicine or they're just working in nine to five, nine to six and commuting two hours a day. Like most people don't get to do that. Um, So just making it work for you. And then I think the last one is just, again, finding like time to genuinely do unproductive things and just have fun and not feel like even in all my free time, I have to be working out or journaling or working on social media, but like really finding hobbies that are unproductive has been really important and I think really healthy for me in the past couple of years. Yeah, I love that. I feel like I've seen you kind of post about hobbies and how it's important to have hobbies as adults that don't really add to your kind of productivity, quote unquote. So I think that's something to really think about. I think a lot of adults kind of like reach a certain age and they're like, wait, I have no hobbies and nothing that I do for me. So it's just a good reminder to kind of set that time aside for yourself, like you said. As a content creator, do you ever kind of feel uninspired? Because I imagine, you know, you have these busy days, you're going to the hospital or the clinic to work. And at least for me, when I'm kind of in a really busy, like on the hamster wheel, sort of when I'm living that sort of life, I feel pretty uninspired creatively. So are there any things that you do to sort of stay inspired as a content creator while you're living this busy, busy life? Or is it in those hobbies or things like that where you're like finding that inspiration? Yeah, that's a great point. I think it's kind of speaks to the last point you said. And I think there's like a like quick answer and like my like longer form answer that isn't always as practical, but they both kind of center in finding things kind of outside of your daily routine and changing it up. And I find that that usually re-sparks inspiration because as much as I feel like content that does really well on social media is always just like the mundane and the daily routine. But I personally kind of feel uninspired to always create content around that because maybe to someone else, it looks like unique and special because they are not in my position. They're not working as a physician. Uh, But to me, it doesn't really. So I think it's like you mentioned, like um, having different hobbies or just not even repetitive hobbies, things you just do like once or twice every once in a while to change things up. Um, And I find that that also really resonates with people as well, because I think it's something that we don't really value as much in society anymore. It's just like having things that you're not that good at and that you don't do that often, but you still enjoy and like make time to do. Um, And then I think like the longer form of that, which isn't always as practical on like a quick turnaround basis, but I think like leaving my daily environment in the sense of traveling, whether it's just even for like a weekend, just a couple hours out of the city or like a longer trip and really prioritizing that as much as I can within my busy schedule has been really helpful because I find that always um, seeing new environments and especially when I get to go a bit further and experience new cultures and people that always really re-inspires me. Um, So yeah, I think the overarching answer really is just like breaking that daily routine 
usually spark something and then you apply that into your daily routine and how does that impact the way that you go about your day and that usually usually does the trick if you could change one thing about the medical field what would that be and then if you could change one thing about the world of social media what would that be hmm that's a good question i think for medicine, I, I kind of want to say it's for both. We'll see. We'll see where I go with the answer because I'm kind of making it up as I go. But I think for medicine, the first thing that comes to mind is just that I wish people were just a bit more open-minded. And I think that applies to a lot of things. Um, I think something that's really valued in medicine and rightfully so is going by guidelines and the research and the evidence and all of that is obviously super important. But I think that life isn't always that black and white. And I think sometimes I see physicians who are just so super intelligent, but just a bit closed-minded because they're so rigid into these things that they don't kind of see the patient that's right there in front of them. And I think it applies to that. But I think it also applies to the culture within healthcare professionals and kind of what we spoke to before, just being more open-minded of different people and the importance of diversity, whether that means race or gender or just personality types within the medical field and how much that can benefit not only the people working in medicine, but also their patients as well. So um, I think medicine attracts a lot of um, really high achieving people who often are quite type A, not always, but often. Um, And I think something that sometimes comes with that is being a bit more close-minded. So I wish people were open-minded And I think this kind of applies to social media as well in different ways. I mean, we see so much negativity online and people just not really being able to understand situations that they're not in themselves. And I think that's like a normal human experience that we don't know what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. But I think people are just a little bit nicer and show people a bit more grace and we're a bit more open-minded. It would make it a lot, a much more positive space. So I guess that applies for both. I don't know if that's a cop-out answer, but. (laughs) No, I mean, it applies to basically everything, I feel like, because I think in every field and every part of life, if we were just a bit more open-minded and kind to one another, I think a lot of the world's problems would be solved. Um, Yeah. So I think that that's (laughs) super valid. And you know, you've had so much growth on social media in a short amount of time and you're inspiring so many people and it can be easy to kind of do what the algorithm wants you to do and do what other people are doing on social media and kind of not make it your own. So what do you do to kind of stay authentic to who you really are? And not even just in social media, but in your life as well. Like how does that authenticity shine through for you? Yeah, I think it's just checking in with yourself and making sure that you're actually enjoying the process of whatever you're doing. Like that can be whether you're enjoying editing the type of video you're making or whether you're enjoying the work you're doing at your kind of day job or are you actually enjoying that the the workout you're doing or the food you're eating. Like life isn't just about end goals and I think just checking in and making sure you're enjoying the process and if the answer is no, then change it and you don't need to be stuck in the decisions you made before. Like if you, let's say, started a job and now two years later you actually aren't enjoying it like you can change your mind or you said you're going to stick to some workout routine and then you start it and then you actually hate it like change your mind if you started this sort of niche on social media and you're it's doing well but you're not enjoying the process like try something new um you got to live your life for you like really for no one else so yeah I think it's just like checking in and asking yourself that question I don't know how helpful that is but I feel like that's the practical answer for me 
super helpful. I mean, I just made a TikTok about this in terms of like uh, lifestyle and habits and and diet. And I just think it's silly that we think the same diet can work for everyone, like their whole lives. Like people aren't checking in with themselves and they're eating the same things they were eating when they were teenagers, or they're doing the same exact workouts they were doing when they were young. And I think it's so important to like recognize that we're all changing as human beings. And so we also have to be checking in and change our habits and our lifestyle and our diet. And then also what we're doing, like you said, or the content we're creating or whatever it is, the workouts we're doing. So I think that's a super important point. I think people need to be a little like more okay with the change. I know it's scary, but I think it's also the only way to grow. So I really loved what you said there. And if you have time, I have five rapid fire questions before we end today. Perfect. So the first one is what's your favorite fruit? Uh, I feel like this is so boring, but bananas. I love (laughs) bananas. They're just so easy. They're pre-packaged. You just take one with you. So much energy. I love bananas, but they're pretty boring. (laughs) Actually, no one's ever said that. So unique (laughs) answer in my head. I guess. Um, What's your sun sign in astrology? Uh, That's like your main one, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm a Gemini. Oh, okay. Cool. Were you born in June? Yes. June. Nice. And that kind of fits the people say Gemini's are double. They they have like double personalities. Yeah. So you're doing like two, living your double life. So yeah. (laughs) I mean, I feel like Gemini's get a bit of a bad rap from what I know. For like, I think the alternative answer to it is like being two faced. But right, I have so many Gemini's in my life. So not even speaking to myself, but I love them. And I think something I really value in people is being multifaceted. So happy to be embodying that part of being a Gemini. I guess. No, same. I mean, a lot of my best friends, my boyfriend, they're all Gemini's. So I I love you guys. I feel like th- it's a very underrated sign. Um, nice. Got to hear. <laughs> what's one book that's changed your life that you would recommend to everyone? Ooh, I mean, it's it kind of like is the same thing you just said in answer form, but it's 101 Ways to Change the Way You Think by Brianna Weist or West. I'm not trying to pronounce her last name, um, but I read that during the pandemic and I still kind of go back to different, it's all like short essays in the book, but um, I really loved it. It's written in a really approachable way and like super relatable, I think, to a lot of people in their 20s. So definitely a really great quick read to like jump into and when you have time. Yeah, I should get that one. Everyone talks about that book and I haven't read it yet. I love it. Um, what's one habit or ritual that you do every day that's a non-negotiable for you? I know we talked about a lot of these, but mm-hmm. if you could choose one. Probably like my coffee in the morning. Like I love taking my time and just making my coffee and enjoying it. Um, yeah, for sure. The best. And what are your thoughts on thriving? So obviously this show is called Thoughts on Thriving. So what do you think sort of the key to thriving is? For sure. Um, I, I went to this like lecture at a conference I went to on like physician health a little while back and the speaker was talking about this and she was saying how a life where you thrive is mixed of being content. So being happy, but also having purpose. And you kind of need both of those to feel like you're thriving. And I think that really resonated with me because I think it's really easy to be happy and carefree, let's say when you're taking a month off and traveling and just like living your best life for a while. But I think eventually I start kind of missing that purpose aspect of my life. So I think when I combine the two is when I feel like I'm really thriving. Um, Yeah, that definitely stuck with me after that lecture. Love that answer. That's beautiful. 
I'm glad it resonates. Thank you so, so much again for taking the time to be on Thoughts on Thriving. I had so much fun kind of just learning more about you and hearing your perspective on all this. I feel like this will resonate with a lot of people, even though they might not be doctors or social media content creators, but I think a lot of what you said applies to everyone in life. So thank you so, so much. And if people want to find you online or connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Um, on social media, I'm at Noam Raider. So N-O-A-M-R-A-I-T-E-R. That's just my first name, last name. I feel like no one ever knows where the first name ends and the last name stops. That's <laughs> fine. Um, but yeah, that's mostly it. Social on Instagram and TikTok. Perfect. Everyone go give Noam a follow. And I really, really love your content. Again, I know I said it before, but like she makes such like, I don't know, it just feels good to watch. So you won't regret following her. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Of course. Thank you so much again and have a great rest of your day, everyone. Thank you.